I'm Bay, and you're listening to Bay Baltimore, a weekly pop culture and society podcast recorded in a quiet neighborhood in Baltimore. This week, I want to talk about some current events, um, talk about another dream I had real quick, um, and the symbols in it, um, and then I want to read you a short story I wrote. So let me just start um, by sharing a couple of things. So it's like a lot of things I want to talk about. Um, First, it it hit me that, um, well, I saw a news story that Paris Jackson had attempted um, to take her life following the release of the documentary um, Leaving Neverland. And I still have not seen it. I still stand behind what I said before. I'm just not emotionally ready to see it. Um, And I'm okay with that. It's been a lot. And I can only imagine how hard it might have been for the two men that um, were the focal point of it. But nevertheless, I just, I believe that he did some things that he shouldn't have done. And I believe he was a predator or at least he, he, he being Michael Jackson engaged in behavior that was predatory or predator like, um, yeah. And there was, I don't think that there was any there, like if there was nothing there, it'd be one thing that none of the cases that came up, it's just, it's hard for me to believe that they would have gone anywhere if there wasn't something there, um, beyond just being eccentric. So, um, but then to hear that, Paris, um, which I believe is his eldest daughter, only daughter, anyway, to hear that she attempted to take her life um, following the release of that just kind of put things back into perspective for me. Um, Because while this was someone, Michael Jackson was someone that I never knew personally, um, but though I had some strong feelings for because a lot of my childhood memories were attached to some of his songs, same as everybody else, um, he wasn't someone that was in my life whereas Paris that was her father that's who she knew as her father and what we know what we've been told about Paris and her brothers her two brothers lives is that you know it it would been kind of hectic um and there's a lot of scrutiny as there would be around um any celebrities kids but then added on top of it one of the most famous people in the whole wide world and then that person passes away um And then what that's like, and you're young, you're not 18 yet, you know, and trying to navigate the world through that uh, prism, I guess. And then coming into your own, asking questions maybe, and coming to terms with some of the things maybe you saw. I don't know. I don't pretend to know what was going through her mind, but the article drew the conclusion, and I'm hoping... Mm. I don't know what to say about that. Like I, I was thinking something, but you know, you really can't say anything about it other than the release happened. And then she attempted, um, the act and I, none of us could even pretend to know what that might be like. We could sit here and speculate. I could sit here and speculate um, what she might have been thinking in that moment. <coughs> Excuse me. Who knows if it was directly related to that? But if it was, I don't know. 
that hurts because let's say that it was related to that documentary and let's say she heard some things that maybe whatever was in there drove her to do that. That is a tough one. It's like having some, it's like having a, it's exactly like, imagine your parent, one of your parents, both of your parents, whatever, but in this case, one of your parents, whom you looked up to your entire life, who protected you, who you trusted with everything. That's, your parents are your first teachers, right? Then, you know, there's natural hate that comes around in the neighborhood, but then some bombshell allegation drops. And there had been allegations before that they, but they were unproven. But then there, something very devastating drops. What do you do? What would you do? A documentary like this happens. What would you do? Where would that put you? What state of mind would you be in? So I just, I think of that and I think, you know, I just pray that people can give her and the rest of the kids space. Because if we are facing this reality that Michael Jackson was a predator, he was a predator, not his kids. The adults, you can place blame on them, enabling some members of the family, perhaps. And that has its place. But his kids, they were innocent. They had nothing to do with anything. And anyway, so that came across... You know, I got the notification. You know how you get your notifications on your phone. And I saw that my heart just ached instantly because I was just like, yep, because he did have kids, didn't he? And we can, you know, you know, I all eyes go on Janet and and Jermaine and Tito and and all, the rest of them. You know what I mean? Jackie um, and the two girls whose names I cannot recall right now. Oh, I can't call them. Anyway, but it goes to the the siblings and it goes to, you know, the mother. But can't forget about those kids who I think all of them are over 18 at this point. Who be, are being exposed to this information and then their own people, they're grown adults. They're, they, yeah, they're adults now. Um, and what that must be like for them. So my heart, my heart and prayers go out to Paris and the rest of the kids. Okay, switching gears. Um, so the next thing that I wanted to hit was, oh shoot, what what, did I, what else did I want to talk about before I got to the oh my dream. Um, so so I had the whole episode about interpreting dreams, and I had that that very vivid dream, the um the ghost in it. And let me tell you, I, when I tell you that all of my dreams that I remember are vivid, they are vivid and they are mostly scary. And so, you know, a couple of days later I had another vivid dream and this one was like a movie. It, you know what I mean? So it, it, it felt like I was in a movie and uh, it was a zombie movie. And so long story short, um, I was in my old house. I mean, my house when I was a young teenager and I was in the kitchen and it was getting to be nightfall and there was an old man, a young person, 
and um, someone around my age that was with me, but my husband was not in the dream. Um, my husband nor any of my family members, my immediate family members or anyone that I recognized to be in my friend group or my family were in my dream. These were randos that were in my dream, um, sit in my kitchen. And they were talk, you know, trying to urge me to hurry up and come on. But I had to finish cooking because what I knew was that it was a zombie apocalypse apocalypse and I knew that I needed to cook a lot of food and prepare a lot of food so that we would have something to eat until we found the next way station so that we could eat something else so I was cooking I was cooking oh I was cooking my head off and then we pack up everything and we move as fast as we can because remember I have a young person and I have an old person and then I have somebody my age in the group so we're moving about as well as we can and we're fighting off zombies here and there and you know so we go out of that house um, and then long story short, we, you know, we're traveling and we end up in this building. I don't know why we ran into this building. Anybody who watches scary movies know you do not run into buildings in apocalyptic, like end of times movies because you don't know what's around XYZ door. In this case, a zombie, you don't know if a zombie about to pop out and try to eat you anyway. But we found ourselves in this big old building. Of course, I have multiple uh, floors and anyway. Somehow or another, we decided that the best thing for us to do was go down to the basement. Again, I'm, you know, we're just moving and shaking. You know, dreams aren't, don't make sense that you just ride with it. So anyway, we make our way down to the basement. Come to find out, I run into a group of people that I guess I knew, kind of, vaguely. And they had befriended this scientist who, if you gave them an elixir that for a short period of time, would turn them into giant spiders. And as a giant spider, you can eat the zombies and not turn into a zombie. And so the building was mostly, it was becoming clear of zombies thanks to these giant spiders. And that was my dream. And of course, I woke up and I was like, what the what? These dreams once again. And so I picked out the biggest symbols like I did with the last dream. And so the biggest symbols that popped out to me or stood out to me in that dream were zombie, of course, zombies. And then spider, of course, and then cooking. Although, you know, in order it was cooking and then it was zombies and then it was the spider. So let me just go ahead and and go in order. So cooking. And again, I went on dreammoods.com because that's where I go um, to, you know, that's where that's where I go to help help get an an understanding, a a little bit like an idea of what my subconscious is telling me, what my, you know, my spiritual life in my in my spiritual world, what I need to know, what God is trying to tell me. Um, Okay, and so and dreammoons.com, when you look up cooking, it reads, to dream that you are cooking signifies your desire to influence others in such a way so that they will like you or become dependent on you. Alternatively, it represents your nurturing side. You want to be loved, or the dream could mean that you need to express your creativity. Um, I think a little of all of that is true. I do want to be loved like everyone else. I am very nurturing in my natural life. Um, But I also, like, I'm in a place where I, in my job, I really do want to express more of my creativity and I have an opportunity to do that. So I think this is just kind of reminding me, you know, mm -hmm, just push through that a little bit more, I guess, because they were like, okay, okay, hurry up and cook, hurry up, hurry up, get the, get it, get this out so we can go hurry up, hurry up. And then I was able to finish. So anyway, so there's that. Then, um, the zombies. So 
now like like the last dream that I um, tried to interpret I um I went ahead and I grabbed I did screen grabs on these definitions and oh excuse me I didn't really um, read them so much as I just made sure that I was grabbing the right definition the only one that I did kind of skim a little bit more closely was zombie because there were just so many different little explanations on there so I some of it didn't make any sense to me, so I just grabbed the first two, um, or the first one. And it says, to see or dream that you are a zombie suggests that you are physically and or emotionally detached from people and situations that are currently surrounding you. You are feeling out of touch. Alternately, alternatively, a zombie means that you are feeling dead inside. You are just going through the motions of daily living. To dream that you are attacked by zombies indicates that you are feeling overwhelmed by forces beyond your control. You are under tremendous stress in your waking life. Alternatively, the dream represents your fears of being helpless and overpowered. And so it's like I have multiple symbols. So there's a, again, I'm coming out of that feeling overwhelmed, period. I'm, I'm coming out of that. But nevertheless, I'm still a little overwhelmed. That, that thing is hard to let go sometimes. So I don't feel like I'm detached. Although, well, I'll take that back. There was this incident that happened that was high stress. And any other time, I think I might have, I think I might have had a little anxiety about it. But when the situation arose, I was just like, okay, well, you know, kind of figured that this would happen. But um, let's just walk through the steps, figure out how we're going to overcome this because this the certain situation came up and a person wanted a certain outcome and there was just not go, that wasn't gonna happen it just wasn't gonna happen and instead of getting frustrated by the fact that this is not the, the first time that we told this person it's not gonna happen but like try to find another way to get them comfortable with the reality that this is the way that that is going down in your way is just not gonna work um but thank you for for trying but it's just this it's not gonna happen um any other time, I think I would have been fretting, trying to figure out how to talk to her and frustrated that she even brought it up. But this time I was just like, mm. okay, girl. Well, um, so this is what's happening. So one foot in front of the other, all we can do. So um, so there are aspects that, um, of my job where I'm kind of just like, mm, that's whatever, girl. But um, overall, I feel like I'm still in this thing. I'm still... I'm still in it. Um, but again, I'm still coming out of that being overwhelmed um, by forces out of my control. And then the last one, the last symbol is a spider. And uh, Dream Mood says, um, to dream a spider, to, to see a spider in your dream indicates that you are feeling like an outsider in some situation. Or perhaps you want to keep your distance and stay away from an alluring and tem tempting situation. The spider is also symbolic of feminine power or an overbearing mother figure in your life. Alternatively, a spider refers to a powerful force protecting you against your self-destructive behavior. If you kill a spider in your dream, then it symbolizes misfortune or bad luck. To see a dead spider, okay, so these last two pieces not, didn't apply. Um, okay, I don't think my mom is overbearing. I Actually, even though I talk to my parents regularly, like, mama lives, mom and daddy live um, back home in Missouri. I'm here in Maryland. So... And even my mother-in-law, that she's not overbearing. So I don't know that that applies to me, but definitely um, I don't feeling like an outsider. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that that necessarily applies, but the, the spider is also a, a symbolic 
also symbolic of a feminine power over or uh, I don't know I don't know I don't know what this means to me a spider refers to a powerful force protecting you against yourself well it was protecting me protecting me against my self-destructive behavior yeah you know and maybe that's God's way of just letting me know listen I put people in your place I put people in your path so that you can you know I've set I've set you at ease in certain situations I've pushed I've made you feel distant in certain situations on purpose or I've made you detach yourself on purpose in these situations because we're trying to turn a new leaf we're trying to do a new thing and in order for you to do that I need to put people in your place to say certain things to you give you a good word and I also need people to put in perspective put things into perspective to you and then I need you to go through that situation um to learn so yeah I was scared I initially scared of the spiders but then I realized the spiders were people that I knew and they were eating the zombies which were on my nerves and trying to kill me and my group so I don't know I hope that that's the last vivid dream for a while because every time I wake up from these dreams I am rattled as anyone would be these you know what I mean like there was a time when I was young that I would fret about going to sleep because nine times out of ten I was going to remember a vivid dream that was going to be scary um which is why I even started interpreting these things in the first place to try to put them in this place because you got to sleep you know what I mean you have to sleep so how can you work it through so you're not freaked out to sleep because that causes anxiety all in itself so anyway um I don't know I don't know again I I also take all of this with a grain of salt so you know it doesn't always quite fit your situation everything is not it's not cookie cutter you know what I mean um but anyway I just that hopefully that's my last vivid dream for a while and uh, also I hope that um things can begin to change um on my work um at work for me as well as I feel changes happening in my, you know, sorority life, church life. I feel things changing and it's becoming, it's not so stressful. Um, lots of, lots of stuff to do, but it's not overwhelming. Um, and so hopefully I can just continue to maintain that because I'm going into the summer season. You know what I mean? My birthday's coming up. Um, I am trying to celebrate as I always do the entire summer. Um, so I've got things to do anyway. But that was my dream. Again, I hope that you are sitting through, you know, sitting down and paying attention to your dreams because they are telling you something. Um, and it's up to you to pay attention to what that lesson is so that you can try to apply it. Um, so, yeah. OK. Now, um, I want to preface um, this little story that I'm going to read in a second. Um this little short story. Now, this short story that I'm going to read to you is called Loretta and Lorraine, and it is loosely based on a real story um, that I was told and knew about growing up, which blew my mind. Um, I was told the real deal. Um, not the real deal. I was told the story when I was about 10 or 12. You know, I was one of those kids that 
I was one of those quiz kids that asked questions and I had parents that answered them. So if you if you are old enough to articulate the question, you are also old enough to understand an aspect of the answer. I'm not going to give it to you straight as my par- my parents never, never sugarcoated anything, but they never gave me too much information. Um, so, yeah, anyway, so it's based loosely based on a story that I was told a situation that I was told about and that I had asked about as I grew older and revisited what I was told with my mom, because I never revisited with my dad, but I was told, uh, revisited with my mama and it just, the story got wilder. And so I am testing the waters and trying to get a lot of these family stories out and put them in such a way that, um, you know, if, if they really didn't happen to you, they'd be super entertaining. Um, and everybody likes a good story and Lord knows I do too. And so I think this is one of my way to kind of document some of this stuff, but then also kind of, actually it's my way of documenting stuff and putting a, putting like a dramatic, putting a, like a colorful spin to it, but nevertheless, it's like a way to document some of this stuff. And so again, the story is called Loretta and Lorraine and the setting is in a busy cafe in Baltimore. Again, I'm taking liberties here. I am not from Baltimore. So of course the story did not take place in Baltimore. Um, and the plot is Loretta and Lorraine were, um, lovers to the same man for 10 years. Um, only Lorraine though knew about his wife, Loretta and the family he had with her. Um, when Loretta finds out about Lorraine, she arranges a meeting to confront her and get, um, get Lorraine out of their lives forever. But the conversation doesn't go as planned. So yeah, um, so I'm going to take a break and then the next little segment will be Loretta and Lorraine. Loretta sat quietly at the table for two in the back corner of the busy cafe. She made sure she sat facing the door. She wanted to see Lorraine coming. This was her meeting, after all. She was going to control it from start to finish. Loretta shivered a little as tiny gusts of winter air made their way to her table, nipping at her exposed almond brown neckline. She had worn her favorite cream sweater, which showed off her curves with a single strand of pearls, her pearl earrings, and the jeans that always got her attention. The matching cream pumps were the cherry on top of the outfit. She knew she looked good. This outfit is probably more expensive than her whole wardrobe, Loretta thought, as she sat smirking to herself, stirring her cup of tea. Shoot, this is no different than a business confrontation, she thought. This isn't personal, this is business. Loretta came up to Baltimore the Saturday before to scope out the surroundings and pick the best meeting spot. The minute she had learned the man she married, raised kids with, and built a life with, the man who was at this very moment laying up in the hospital in a coma due to a freak accident three weeks ago, that he had another woman in Baltimore, she set out to confront the other woman and end whatever was going on between them. She chose this cafe for two reasons. One, it was loud and busy, which she had hoped meant Lorraine would be less inclined to make a scene if things got heated. And two, it wasn't far from Penn Station. 
so she could dip to the station and get on the next mark train back to D.C. the millisecond this meeting was over. She also knew no one in Baltimore, so there wasn't a chance that anyone would recognize her. This was no one's business but hers and Lorraine's, after all. She took a sip of her tea and stared out the window. As passers-bys went back and forth along the sidewalk, her mind drifted to memories of long family vacations and society dinners around the Beltway. Her shoulders began to sink a little as feelings of betrayal and sadness creeped up in her mind. Pull it together, she thought to herself. And as she shook her head and straightened her spine, Loretta, a woman's voice called out, low but sure in the distance. Loretta snapped her head forward in the direction of the voice and her eyes locked with a tall, brown woman with long locks wearing an Afrocentric floor-length coat, jeans, and pumps. Lorraine, Loretta asked as she stood to greet her. Yes, pleasure to meet you, Lorraine gushed as she reached Loretta and extended her arms to embrace. Loretta hesitantly extended her arms and leaned into the embrace before quickly pulling back to take her seat. Your afro is gorgeous. My hair never had that much body when it was loose. That's why I locked it, Lorraine shared as she shed her coat, revealing her snug-fitting white sweater and jeans. Before Loretta could respond, a waitress came to the table to take Lorraine's order. Lorraine slung her coat and pocketbook over the chair as she began to make her request. Using the interruption to take in the moment, Loretta quickly realized that, apart from how each woman wore her hair and the slight differences in their clothing style, they looked very similar, down to their shape. You're kind. I'm glad you came, Loretta said as the waitress, once the waitress had gone, mustering a half smile. When I learned about you after the accident, I knew I had to get in touch with you to give you an update about what's going on and to make sure we're on the same page. Oh, Loretta said with an amused expression on her face. She almost looked as if she would laugh at any moment. You weren't the least bit curious about me, apart from all of this? She asked as a chuckle escaped her lips. After all these years, I still wonder about who Loretta is. Loretta stared as heat began to rise in her chest. Trying her best to steal herself, she answered dryly, I don't want to know anything about you. As I said, I want to get a few things straight so that we have an understanding, given my husband's current condition. Her shoulders were tense, and her facial expression was blank. Listen, I don't mean to upset you, Lorraine said. You're dealing with a lot already. I was so sorry to hear about what happened to your husband and finding out about me this way and... When I got your message to meet, I thought, well, I thought I'd finally get a chance to clear the air, to let you know what was really going on. In truth, I've known about you and the kids since the very beginning, and I, I don't know, I feel like I kind of know you. At one point, I thought I was going to meet you, but your husband insisted that you were none of my business, that I should just keep our relationship separate here in Baltimore. You don't know me. Loretta chuckled. You know what my husband told you about our family and what info you could get about us from Facebook. She leaned back in her chair, eyeing the woman across the table and continued. What was really going on was you were playing house with my husband on the weekends, acting like you were me. In fact, 
You're just a low-rent version of me in tacky clothes. A copy. And just like all copies, you'll never be quite as good as the original. That's probably true, given how much we look alike, Lorraine said with a sigh. Listen, I know you're hurting, and you probably hate me right now. But you need to know that I never wanted to be you, or have what you have. I've got my own life right here in Baltimore. Your husband and I were more like friends than anything else, Lorraine said, trying to change the tone of the conversation. Just then, the witches came back to the table and set a hot cup of black coffee and a chocolate chip muffin in front of Lorraine. She gave the waitress a silent thank you as she began to pick at her muffin. I don't sleep with my friends, Loretta said through her teeth after the waitress had gone. Fair point, Lorraine conceded as she took a sip of coffee. We did sleep together, many times. But we were clear from the beginning that apart from sex, we wanted nothing more than friendship from each other. I have my own relationship and family, too. And I've always been open with my man about my relationship with your husband. They've even met each other several times over the years. Stunned, Loretta's eyes widened as Lorraine continued to pick at her muffin. What... what do you mean they've met? Lorraine stammered. You make it sound as if they met each other occasionally for coffee or something. The three of us had dinner together the first time they met, Lorraine said matter-of-factly. Over the years, we've met over drinks and during happy hours. I don't believe you, Loretta said, still shocked by what she had just heard. You should. What reason do I have to lie at this point? She paused and took another sip of coffee to let the question hang in the air before continuing. I'm only telling you this because I feel like you should have been told a long time ago. You should have been afforded the same courtesy as my man. But you weren't told, and nothing can change that. But woman and woman, you need to know that I'm not going to be a problem for you. My relationship with your husband had run its course anyway, before the accident. We hadn't spoken in months. You think, because your man knew about this, that you're better than my husband in all of this? Loretta snapped. But you are just as guilty as my husband. You slept with him repeatedly all these years, knowing I was too stupid to find out. So stupid, in fact, that I needed to be told. And even then, when you knew I needed to know, you still didn't tell me. You're not innocent. Look, I can see you're still very hurt by all of this, and meeting was clearly a mistake, Lorraine said. Perhaps I should have sought you out when I first thought about it. That's on me. But I didn't portray your trust. I didn't hide this relationship from you all these years. I am not your enemy. And most importantly, I am not looking for anything from you. Consider your relationship with my husband over. Stay away from him and stay out of our lives, Loretta said flatly. Look, you don't even have to see or hear from me again if you don't want. I won't reach out to you and I won't try to see him in his current state or when he wakes up, God willing. But if one day you should find that you would like to talk, that you're ready to talk, you know how to get in touch with me. With that, Lorraine reached for her pocketbook and grabbed a 20, throwing it on the table. This should be more than enough to cover our bill, she said as she rose with her pocketbook and coat in hand, 
Goodbye, Loretta. I hope we can talk again under different circumstances. She said sincerely. Lorraine turned and headed for the door, leaving Loretta sitting at the table, mouth open in shock and disgust. Loretta watched as Lorraine reached the door and put on her coat before walking through it and disappeared into the midday crowd of pedestrians. She quietly turned her attention back to her tea, which had grown cold in a cup. As she sat replaying the scene, a small yet powerful thought crept in her mind. Lorraine is right, she thought. She didn't keep this from me. My husband did. She didn't owe me an explanation. He did. But he was in a coma, and only God knew when or if he'd ever wake up. What do I do now? She thought to herself as tears began to well up in her eyes. What in God's name do I do now? Um, I hope you liked my short story. I know I'm not, like, I'm still new um, to writing short stories and little scenes, and I know I could always improve, so I'd love your feedback. Um, And, yeah, as it relates to the dreams and things, again, just, do you have vivid dreams? Um, Do you have dreams that you remember that you've taken some time to look into them? And what of the symbols that stood out to you in those dreams? What have those meant? Um, And how have you applied what you learned from your dream in your life? I really want to know. So feel free to reach out to me um, via Anchor.fm app. Um, You can go on the web page and send me a message that way. Um, You can leave me a message on Google, Spotify, Spotify. Actually, all of them. Castbox, Anchor FM, of course, uh, Castbox, <laughs> Anchor.fm, Breaker, uh, Radio Public Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast again, and Spotify, like I said, um, or wherever you leave the show or listen to the show. Mine, uh, I pay attention um, to all of them. And so I'm, I'm trying to get the back end on all of these, um, places because I want to be able to interact with people in every platform. Um, but right now it seems like the, you know, the way of the world is Spotify and Apple podcast, um, and anchor.fm of course. Um, so yeah. And when you go to anchor.fm, um, if you want to donate, feel free to do that. You can donate 99 cents or whatever. Um, anything that you can donate will be helpful to me. Um, if you don't have any money, you don't feel like you can do that. Definitely tell somebody about the show. Um, you know, send them the link, you know, if it, you know, any of the episodes, any of my past episodes about my, um, DNA, my, (coughs) excuse me, you know, my tracking my heritage, um, any of the black American folklore, any episode that stuck out to you that you think your friends or, you know, your coworker or whatever that, you know, that you think they might get a kick out of it, share with them. Um, yeah, I want to hear from you. So again, please, Leave me a comment, um, four st- or five stars, all five stars, um, in your ratings, please. Um, and thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate you. All right. Until next time.